Welcome back to another edition of the Mindset Entrepreneur video podcast. I am your host, Mark Altman, and I'm here with my special guest today, Chris Fisher, Sean Morrow, partners in Live Life Capital Partners. Thrilled to have you guys today. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. So I'm going to start in a rare personal note today that uh, I am a big believer in business, that it is really important to surround yourself with positive skilled, competent, happy people. And I got to tell you, I met these guys several months ago and really gravitated to who they are as people, uh, their trust, their integrity, and really just their demeanor. They're really great to be around. And so I'm really happy to have you guys here. You really represent a lot of the values that I like to bring on in companies. So really happy to have you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. So let's start with one thing that's very unique about you guys, which is I think as entrepreneurs, you're partners. And a lot of small business owners, they don't have partners. They just do it on their own and figure it out. So would love to kind of get the background of how your partnership evolved uh, and also kind of maybe some of the challenges that you both might have that others don't. So Sean, if you could start, that'd be great. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I've actually known Chris for about a decade now. Um, we met uh, right out of college, actually went to college with his wife at UMass Amherst. And, uh, you know, instantly we kind of hit it off. He's in finance. Uh, I was in finance myself. And, um, you know, over the years, you know, just kept in, kept in contact. Um, you know, he worked at Brown Brothers and Fidelity. Um, you know, I was at Merrill Lynch and Morgan Stanley. And so, uh, you know, we kept in contact over the years and from a partnership standpoint, you know, I always thought it was, uh, very important just given the complexity of our industry that you have competent partners, uh, that can, you know, uh, assist you. And so, uh, I kind of talked to Chris really about getting involved in a partnership about a year and a half ago. And, uh, I don't think it took too much convincing because he really liked what we were, we're doing and, um, yeah, we kind of hit it off. And Chris, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, and I'll go just ahead. add to that. I mean, I think, you know, Sean touched on it, but I think one of the great things is, you know, partnerships are founded on trust. You know, you have to trust your partners, you know, imminently. Um, and you also need to have complementary skills if you want to really add value to each other and almost have a fusion. So I think Sean and I have that, you know, in spades where, you know, we have different backgrounds, but together, you know, we can serve our clients really well based on our you know, backgrounds. Well, and, and would you say that, do you find as partners, you know, a lot of times with small businesses don't have partners is such a workload, a different kind of workload. Do you feel like having that other person to bounce people off of, to delegate and share responsibilities and things, that's got to be huge as kind of support systems as you continue to grow your business? Yeah, I think we take like a kind of a swarm approach almost where, you know, every client gets the full benefit of, you know, Sean's skills, my skills. We have you know, Sue Factor at our, for client service and Georgia Giolekis for our family office. And every client gets the benefit of that. So, you know, you come in as a client, you don't get one person and they have to do everything for you. You get, you know, the best skills from each individual. Okay. So you, you do get to balance the workload, but you also boost the client experience. So, Sean, I got to be honest with you. Your industry, wealth management, okay, boy. I have been approached by so many people over the years, and I've talked to so many people in the industry, and it just makes my head spin, because how do I tell who the right solution is? Who are the right people to deal with? What is the right company to deal with? And we know it's about trust, right? You have to trust, I know that, but how do you, how do you help kind of educate people on knowing what the right choice is? What are, what are the rules that people should follow to know how to pick that solution? 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's a that's a good question. I mean, because there's so many wealth managers out there, and you know, they're they're pitching some of the similar things. You know, planning, and um, you're right. I mean, it starts at the foundation. It starts trust, and you know, some people I feel like maybe don't spend enough time on that because it is crucial. But uh, you really got to ask yourself the questions. You know, of you know, you know, who you know, do I enjoy working with this person? You know, who is a team that uh, is backing them? Um, you know, what type of investments do they get access to? You know, what type of, uh, you know, benefits, um, you know, am I going to, uh, uh, see from working with them? And I would say the, the bigger thing which you need to focus on is you really need to find a partner yourself. So I feel like wealth managers, you know, people are often afraid to, uh, maybe open up completely to them and they think, okay, well, he's just going to manage my investments. Your wealth, manager should be a partner with you and, and help you solve the problems, you know, of, of life. You know, you're trying to get through, you're trying to get to a certain point. And um, it's really finding a partner versus finding a wealth manager. And I think, you know, we've taken that approach and it's just added a lot of value to our relationships. And it's, it is a differentiating piece for us. Well, and Chris, you know, one thing that blew me away about how you, do, how you both do differentiate what you're doing with your company and your staff is... You know, wealth managers are always talking about family values and retirement and really being sure everybody's taken care of. And you guys really, it's not just words for you. It's really actions. I mean, the kinds of services you offer and the way you interact with your clients. So could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think those are real differentiators for you. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a great question. And I think it goes to what, a lot of what Sean was speaking about. I mean, we take a really holistic approach of really getting to know the client, you know, on, a, you know, what's their family, what does their family structure look like? What's important to them? Um, what do they really need? What are their dreams and desires? And then, you know, you build first, you know, a financial plan, but also kind of help them from everything from strategy on their business to how do you help educate their children? But it's really just, again, being a partner with them, you know, helping them beyond just the traditional stock and bond picking, which is what most people think about when they think about wealth managers. So really being a holistic partner to them. And Sean, what about putting putting your language into human language. I mean, I don't know a lot about your industry in terms of how to understand how to read stocks and portfolios and things like that. But what about how you communicate with your clients differently so they can actually be educated and connect with what you're saying as opposed to the standard newsletter? Talk a little bit about that if you would. I mean, I think that's a huge piece. And, you know, unfortunately with with our industry, there's a lot of industry jargon and, uh, you know, even the way that, you know, your broker dealers and custodians, you know, report a statement to you, it's, uh, people get confused, they get, they get lost in the mix. And so I feel it's a very important job as a wealth, admin, uh, a wealth manager to be able to, you know, explain the differentiating pieces to your clients and provide the customization that they're looking for. I mean, literally on our end, we're able to customize reports per what our clients are looking for, you know, so, if there's a business owner that wants things kind of broken down in a P&L fashion and, de- you know, uh, maybe more detailed, we can do that. Um, if it's someone that wants a more kind of simplistic approach and wants to see the bigger numbers and not get down to a, a more granular level, we can do that. Um, and so a lot of it just comes back to, you know, educating our clients. And you should have an advisor that educates you. You should always know what you own um, and understand why you own it because uh, so many people just, you know, uh, say, okay, I don't understand it, but I, I trust them, so I'm going to do it. 
Um, really, that's a fault of your advisor because your advisor should be explaining those investments to you, educating you on them and why you own them. So guys, this question is for both of you. Let's start with Chris. I'm a guy that likes to work with people who are passionate about what they do. They literally get out of bed every morning and get excited, not for the money, you know, because you just love what you do. So, I mean, Chris, were you like in grade school and fourth grade going, oh man, I can't wait to become a wealth manager one day. Like, how did that all evolve for you? Was it something that did connect to childhood or how did that all play out for you? Sure. I mean, my, ta- my first taste of the industry was uh, an internship sophomore year. You know, I, my major was East Asian studies and, you know, something oh. totally removed. I was really, you know, passionate about languages. And then I got my first taste working for a hedge fund marketing firm where I got to look at the numbers and I really fell in love with, you know, looking at the numbers, seeing how patterns moved trends. Um, and then from there, you know, right out of school, I decided that's what I wanted to focus on. So you know, I spent my career looking at, um, you know, working through business school, did a investment management master's and kind of continued to build on that education, went to Fidelity, did the macroeconomic view. So looking around the world and then, you know, really diving into the numbers in my last role, which was in M&A. So you got to work directly with individual companies, but really what tied it all together was this financial analysis, but really understanding how do markets move. And so that, you know, really is what excites me. Uh, understanding, you know, what drives, you know, stocks, what drives bonds, how do you, how does everything tie in together, kind of piecing together that picture and understanding patterns. And so that's really what got me excited about the industry and then being able to work directly with clients and tops it off. Well, so what specific major, East Asian studies? So I have to ask you, if I was to pull a hundred people who had that major, is the route that you took a typical route with that major or not so much? You know, I, I think what it taught me was to think differently. You know, I went to a liberal arts college and, you know, it wasn't really go and learn about this trade. It was get, get an understanding of how to think because the world's dynamic, right? You can't learn one thing and carry that on for your whole life. You need to understand how does history play? History is a big part of the markets. You can't, it doesn't repeat itself. The quote is it doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. So having that foundation is important. And, you know, a lot of times people think about languages tying really closely into math and it's a similar, similar kind of skill set. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it's thinking, learning how to think rather than learning a specific concept. All right. And, and Sean, what about you? Were you foregoing sports as a kid and just sitting in front of your computer studying stocks or what's your story? Yeah, I was not. No, I, I played my fair share of sports uh, growing up. Uh, for me, it was, I've always gravitated towards numbers. Um, and so having a strong number background, but also um, working with people. You know, I grew up working in my father's grocery store. Mm. Uh, you know, I knew pretty much the whole town that I grew up in because everyone went through the doors. And so uh, when I did an internship uh, my senior year at Merrill Lynch, uh, a light bulb kind of went off. And I was like, this is the best because I can put my skill set with numbers to work, but also, um, you know, work with people. I mean, I love working with people. I'm very passionate about it. Um, and I like to sit and, you know, just figure out how I can solve the problems they have. You know, yes, our core competency is investment management. But there's so much more that we can do and we do do for our clients. And I think people may limit themselves, too, with their wealth advisors to not, you know, utilize them. Or maybe, you know, uh, there's other advisors out there that could provide them with more. So here's, here's a good question for our audience. I want you to think about this as Sean and Chris answer this question because it's really a tough question. The word trust is thrown around by everybody, okay? And so people want to feel like they can trust you if they're going to work with you. But then if you were to ever to pose the question back and say, well, what would you need me to do to show that I could trust? Well, most people in business will say, I can give you references and I can give you testimonials. But you know, to me, guys, I have to tell you, I think the way to really establish trust 
is to learn about each other's core values and how you see things and how you process information. Because that, if you have similar core values, there's a good chance. What are your thoughts? Sean, for you, you know, do you think the core value element, is there another piece that you think is important to establish that trust in the beginning of a relationship? Um, that's a good question. I mean, core values, I mean, it's, it's important for, you know, you to really identify what values you're looking for in your advisor. Um, and, you know, to, to say that there's, um, to say that there's, I guess, you know, specific values that you're, you're trying to identify. I mean, you want to look at, you know, what means the most to you and then look at maybe how your advisor would apply those in their own life. Um, I agree. I think that's a good answer, actually. I I think not enough, uh, people, you know, kind of do like lift under, up up under the hood and actually see, you know, what's there, you know, a guy, you know, you meet with an advisor and he can talk the talk and he looks like he's, you know, prim and proper, but, you know, if you really get to know your advisor, I mean, I think that's the coolest thing. That's where I develop some of the closest relationships with my clients and, you know, they know my kids and I know their kids and, you know, there's, there's things that we share and maybe vacation spots that we, that we have alike, but, um, you've got to dig deep to get those core values. I mean, you're not going to get that, you know, on the, on the surface. So Chris, be a problem solver. You ready? Let's go for it. So I'm sitting at home. I'm going to simulate someone who is pondering hiring a wealth manager. And this is what's going through my mind right now. Jeez, I don't even know if I have enough money to use a wealth manager. I, I wouldn't even know what that amount of money is. And God, this is money I've worked for my whole life. What happens if something goes wrong and they, I don't even know what they're going to do with it and how it's going to go and all these fears. And we know decisions are ruled by fear, right? Fear gets in the way of moving forward and changing habits and all these things. So for the, for the person that's sitting at home, Chris, and really having these fears, what, what can you do to quell some of those fears? What advice can you give them? to make them feel better about that stuff? Sure. No, it, it's a great question. I think it's one that a lot of people struggle with. And I think it really comes down to a couple of things. It's education and it goes back to trust as well. So, you know, when we think about designing a portfolio for someone, it's not, they come in, here's a certain amount of money. What can you do with it? It's understanding why are you investing? What's it for? What's your time horizon? And then saying, okay, let's apply a portfolio that matches that. And so you know, a lot of people see headlines and they say, oh, the market's going up or down or sideways or whatever it's doing but it's educating your clients on how do markets move, taking the time to do that. And so if you have, you know, 10 years to invest, the market movement in one or two days shouldn't matter as much to your time horizon. But it's having that, it's having that conversation with them to say, let's explain how investments work. Let's go, you know, under the hood of a portfolio and say, okay, this, this, the purpose of this investment is this, the purpose of this part of the investment is this, this is how they move together. Um, but it's really about just, edu- I think it's about education and having frequent communication as markets move. Well, Go ahead, Sean. No, please, I was, was going to add to that. I mean, one of the things which I often say to people when I when I first get introduced to them, and, and maybe they're asking a lot of questions about, you know, um, you know, I'm nervous about the markets, and the first thing I say is, we don't have to do anything. Let's just let's 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 stop. You know, I suppose they're just sitting on a lot of cash. It's not going to go away overnight. Let's let's put together a plan. And so, the planning piece is so crucial that so many people avoid. They try to skip 
and go right to, oh, let's just, let's put that money in investments. And so when you bring it back to the plan, that's what people should benchmark the returns against. And that's how you create a plan, which is going to get them from point A to point B. Because when it comes down to it, if you can apply that and you reduce the, the risk on overall portfolio, you're increasing the probability you're going to get to the end point. And so we spend so much time on planning before we invest a penny. And so that gives people the comfort. And that whole planning process, it's complementary. There's no cost to it. And so people you know, may think that there's a, a cost to it, but the majority of, of planners out there and the way that we operate is there's no, no cost to the planning piece, and that's where people need to spend more time. So what you're saying is basically if, if there's 10% of you sitting at home thinking this might be a good idea, there's virtually no downside. As a matter of fact, you could take it a step forward and say if you have a core value of learning, and educating yourself, you know, take advantage of the complimentary service um, so you can find out that this is the right decision for you to move forward. So there's, there's really no downside, right? There isn't. I mean, that's how I approach, you know, every relationship. I say, you know, we're going to go through this planning process and it's, it's going to be lengthy. You're going to come out with a great comfort and know exactly where you stand and where you need to go. And, you know, at the end of that uh, period of time, you enjoy working with us and you want to continue that relationship. And that's where we can take someone on as a client. But if not, I mean, at least they've been able to educate themselves, like you said. So a few last questions. So one, um, Chris, for you, could you give some examples of the type of clients and the type of people who you typically work with? So if you're sitting at home as an audience person, you're like, God, I wonder if I'm a good fit for them. So what are some companies you work with? What are some individuals you work with? Some, maybe some characteristics. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we focus on a pretty wide variety of clients, but I think what we can add a lot of value is, you know, people that, you know, want to design a plan that have goal aims for retirement, or, you know, you might have a business owner that says, okay, a lot of my liquidity is tied up in a business, but I'd like to understand, you know, how can you help me grow the business? How can you be a partner, a consultant to me? Um, how can you educate me so that post, post, uh, capital event, I want to invest this money. How would that happen? Um, how can you help me identify the right partners that need to be around me? So, I think you can help business owners quite a bit. Um, you know, I think basically people who don't want to focus their time on spending their like, mind share thinking about the markets, they want to pass that off to somebody who thinks about it all the time. So, so if I'm a business owner, and I'm going to give you an extreme example. If I'm a business owner, I have no money in savings. But in my business account, I've got a half million dollars sitting there. Okay? It's just sitting there. It's in a savings account. It's in some kind of loan. You're saying... Why? You're getting no return. Is, it, is that an example? I mean, would that be a client for you guys as someone who might not have savings, but they have a lot of liquid money in their business that they're really not getting any return on? Is that a kind of client? I mean, I think every business owner should have a wealth advisor that they work with to begin with, whether they have, you know, half a million in the account or whether they have, you know, 10,000 in their operating account of their business. Uh, you know, your wealth advisor should be a partner in that case. But there's so much that we can do and that, you know, I guess it's, you should have, you know, partners that provide you advice, you know, both, you know, tax and, you know, investment management, all these partners you should take advantage of because if you're not, I mean, you're smart at what you're doing. It's not your core competency. And so you should work with other professionals that, you know, can provide great advice in those areas. So, you know, absolutely. I mean, we do a lot with business owners, you know, everything from setting up 401ks to profit sharing to cash balance plan which, you know, 
it adds great value. You know, you're taking businesses that are profitable that, you know, they're paying corporate tax on all that gain. And now all of a sudden they can put that in the retirement plan and they kind of pause and they're like, well, I don't need to pay tax on this. And I can put it in my retirement plan. Yeah. And so we often run into situations like well, that. And you guys must, it, it's somewhat amusing when you think about it, right? Because we all look for experts, right? If you have medical problems, you go to a doctor. If you have legal problems, you go to a Correct. lawyer. Yep. And, but money, your future, your family, most people don't have the understanding background, but they don't want to have someone coach them or mentor them in that area. It doesn't really make a lot of sense when you think about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, that's a, that's a huge point. And part of what we're trying to do now is educate people because people have this facade that wealth managers may be expensive, right? So they're having to pay for that. Um, but we've, what we've found is because of, you know, the access we get, types of investments we get, we can literally almost get clients into, you know, say a similar fund, but at a lower expense ratio, which, which covers our cost completely. So now, you know, clients essentially may be getting the same investment here, but they also have a wealth manager, which is now guiding them through. And there's a lot more that we can kind of layer in. So the whole facade of wealth managers are expensive. I mean, I think it's, it's a falsity and, you know, maybe because of low cost options, people have been too focused on, you know, doing things, things themselves. And, and because it's nice when it's easy when things are going well. Um, but, you know, market trends, you know, always come up and down. And so it's important to, like you said, have an expert working with you. All right. So let's wrap up today. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about your personal lives, guys. You know, Chris, let's start with you. You know, if you could share some of your priorities in your personal life and passions and hobbies in your personal life, just so that our audience can get to know you guys a little bit. Sounds good. Yeah. So, so I live with, uh, my wife and my two kids and, uh, two little girls, Ava and Aria. We, uh, live in Needham. Uh, so that, that's my first priority. That's my top, my passion. That's where I love to spend any extra time we have. And, you know, we love just, you know, being around each other, uh, you know, going on road trips. Uh, so yeah, my second passion is running. I grew up, you know, doing track three seasons. Uh, wow. That's really where I've, you know, focused a lot of my athletic life. Uh, and so that's where I like to spend, uh, time outside of work and awesome. outside of the girls. Awesome. What about you, Sean? Uh, so same thing. You know, I have a, a growing family. So I have, uh, three kids at home. So two girls, uh, and a young boy. And, um, you know, I'm just a believer in, you know, your family is the rock in your life. And, uh, you know, I'm very passionate about them. I love, I love spending time with my kids. It's, it's definitely my favorite thing. I, you know, also too, I mean, I, I ski, I read, um, you know, I do some of those activities and I mean, what I'm really passionate about is this. I, I love, I love being a business owner. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think other business owners might be able to relate to it, but, um, I'm passionate about the business that we're in. It, it means a lot to me. And, you know, just like I try to do in my own life, it's, you know, we try to solve, um, solve people's financial problems so that they can spend more time living life. And that's where, you know, we came up with the name of the, the company is Live Life Capital Partners. And uh, I'm very passionate about it. And I, I think it's great. And we get to, I get to see success stories with my own clients. And we get to share them. And um, it's just become such a big part of my life that I guess when you said passionate, I, I had to, you know, it's my part of my Love business. It. Love yeah. it. And, and, and the best way to reach you guys for any of our audience members watching, what would be the best way to contact you guys? Yeah. So, um, I mean, you can look us up at our website, which is, uh, www.livelifecapital.com. Um, you can reach out to us that way, or you could Google us and, and call. The lines are always open. So we're, we're happy to speak with you. Chris Fisher, 
Sean Morrow. These are the guys. Listen, honestly, I have to say that, again, you know, meeting people who really care about people and the experience and the relationship, that's what life's all about, personally or professionally. So really appreciate you joining us for another edition of the Mindset Entrepreneur Video Podcast. Look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great one.